Welcome to the We Are History podcast. I'm John O'Farrell. And I'm Angela Barnes. What are we talking about today, Angela? Oh, well, John, I think you'll agree that Great Britain has not had enough of talking about referendums. Very good. Um, So we have decided to talk about the EU referendum, but not the 2016 EU referendum. 1975. The EEC referendum. EEC, of course, it wasn't the EU then, was it? The common market. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we thought people would uh, be fascinated to know (laughs) what (laughs) happens when a government goes to the polls and says to the people, you decide whether we're in the common market or not. Yeah, it's always a roaring success. Um, I think what's interesting is, you know, there's lots of talk at the moment. Here we are at the moment in 2019 of whether we can have a second referendum. Yes. But of course, the referendum we had in 2016 was the second all re- good point. referendum. Never hear Nigel Farage say that, do you? No. It's one each know. at the moment. It's one all. Right. It's going so to extra we have time. A decider. We have a decider, <laughs> we extra a time. Decider. And then it's penalties with <laughs> Anne Whittacombe in goal and Gina Miller stepping up, puts it at the back of the net. Miller scores. <laughs> um, so, um, yes, yeah, so this was a referendum held after the UK had joined the common market in... 1973. Yeah. And it was the first referendum in Britain, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So this was a new idea. It was a new idea and something that was quite sort of a sneered at by the political establishment in the decades running up to it. It was Mm. always seen as the... Uh, a device of demagogues and dictators, the sort of thing that um, Napoleon III or Hitler or Mussolini, um, Mussolini, incidentally, uh, when I mentioned him, my daughter went, oh, I thought Mussolini was a type of pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? Yes, it is true. (laughs) What would Mussolini pasta look like? (laughs) I'll have have Mussolini bolognese, please. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so so Mussolini held them. uh, Napoleon III sort of managed to hold on to power with them. Mm -hmm. And they were sort of not, you know, we have a parliamentary democracy in Britain. So the idea that the people should sort of uh, um, be asked directly on issues. And Harold Wilson, who was the prime minister at the time of this referendum, said that if we had a referendum on whether we should abolish income tax, of course, the answer would be 100 percent yes. Yeah. Um, So uh, I should just say that uh, Andrew and I take turns to lead on these podcast. So I'm going to be doing a lot of the talk on this one because I was the one who suggested this because I'm really boring about 1970s And you were alive, John, in 1975 and I just wasn't. Well, you're not alive. I was born in 76. Were you? That's amazing. See, I remember the 75 referendum. How old were you? I was 13 and I think it's the first time I disagreed with my parents on a political issue. Right. Because they were both in and back then. You were a lever, John. Well, it was not lever then, it was out. So I took the side. (laughs) John O'Farrell I was 13 and Tony Benn was for out and Barbara Castle ah, yes. and Michael Foot, the left of the Labour Party, was for out. Yeah. And so I aligned myself with them. Um, whereas my parents were sort of more sort of Roy Jenkins and Shirley Williams and the right of the Labour Party. Oh. And um, so I remember at the time thinking that, um, oh, I've got a different opinion to my parents. So anyway, yeah. this, yes, the, the, the thing to say about the Euro referendum is that... Um, it was a huge win for staying in. I think that's not a spoiler because we know that yes. <laughs> uh, we know that we were in the uh, in the uh, common market until quite recently. And um, but what people don't remember about it is that um, six months or a year earlier, the polls were showing a huge lead for getting out. Right. So there was a huge swing happened during yeah that. yeah during the campaign, yeah. and they completely turned it around. So that's sort of what we're going to be examining today. Yeah. Um, so should we have a little bit of background on Europe? Yeah, and- so where were we? It's 1975. Flares. Flares. <laughs> Lots of flares. Tank tops. And <laughs> interesting hairstyle. Terrible sideburns. Did you have long hair at 13, I John? did have very long, really long hair. Ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> awful. And um, I remember my um, 
Welsh rugby teacher pulling me around by the hair goes, if it's not cut by next week, I'll do it myself. I was like, I was so scared all week. Your teacher from Bangladesh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he always says all Welsh, Bangladesh, mix, you know. It's that part of Maidenhead where they sort of intersected. Um, so, yeah, so um, the fashion was terrible. So to liven things yeah. up, the government said, let's have a referendum on Europe. But should we talk a little bit about Britain and its relationship with Europe? How Britain came to join the common market? Yeah, so they'd already been in the common market for two and a half yeah, years. Yeah, but, but I was going to go back further than that. Oh, go back that, even further than that. Okay, so back to calls, Macmillan and... The, the, the earth calls and right. primitive life forms <laughs> <laughs> emerge from the swamps. Okay, let's go forward a bit to the 60s, 50s yeah. and 60s. Germany and France created this coal, iron and steel union in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Britain looked at it rather snootily and said, oh, well, that's uh, not really for us. We've got the Commonwealth, thank you, and the empire. Um, but... During the 1960s, I think uh, Britain started to realise its influence was on the wane. Right. Um, so you had uh, the Suez Crisis when yep. uh, Britain was humiliated on the international stage and outmanoeuvred by America and forced to reverse its policy. You had the Sharp Film Massacre in South Africa when uh, the Commonwealth governments uh, sort of forced Britain to uh, accept the expulsion of South Africa from the Commonwealth. Britain thought it was leading the Commonwealth and was sort of realising perhaps it wasn't. So its uh, its international status was diminishing, and it thought, well, maybe we need to uh, maybe we need to look to Europe as a place where we can have leverage and influence. Yeah. And probably with a British sen- uh, sense of, we'll look to Europe and take charge. Exactly, very much so. It was like <laughs> Macmillan thought, well, we will lead there. And yeah. To be fair, Britain's economy was much bigger at that point than France and Germany's. We were still one of the major industrial powers of the world. Uh, and still, although the other thing that's really interesting is our trade was so much more with the Commonwealth than with Europe at that point. Right. There'd always been this sort of empire-free trade thing going on ever since the sort of Victorian times. And um, the actual figures meant that we, you know, traded much more with Australia, New Zealand lamb, you know, uh, um Canadian honey or whatever it was. Um, And now, whereas all our trade is with Europe, back then it was all with the Commonwealth. So it was like, it was a much smaller deal to join the common market in 1973 because it wasn't so, we weren't so interconnected with them as we are now. So Macmillan. Yes. Do you want to? (laughs) (laughs) So so he wanted to uh, join the, the common market. And again, feeling that, Britain had a role to play in leading it. Yeah. But of course, famously. Who should turn up? Old President de Gaulle. Now, uh, he said no in French. Which I believe, John, <laughs> if I if my A-level French serves me right, is no. Oh, that's so good. I could have been there. I oh. sounded like de Gaulle was in the room. <laughs> um, yeah, de Gaulle, very ungratefully, after we basically made him leader of France in the war, says John, with a Union Jack waistcoat popping out on him. Uh, de Gaulle owned his entire position as leader of the Liberate French. Liberate his country and that's how he that, found yeah, it. Exactly. He said no uh, in that uh, very rude manner. And um, so he, he vetoed Britain's application uh, when Macmillan tried to join. Um, but then finally de Gaulle was shuffled off the scene after the uh, Les Evenements in Paris in 68, the big uprising. So yeah. by about 1970, or just before that, I think we applied again. Right. And this time President Pompidou was all up for the idea. The Germans were up for the idea. And uh, all the political parties were in favour of it, Labour and the Tories and the Liberals. So it was right. barely debated. 
Right. So it wasn't, it was never a big uh, general election no. campaign point. No, it was in 1970, never... it, was hardly, it was hardly mentioned, even though this thing was coming. Right. So we had decimalization. That's uh, the big. That was, uh, that was sort of uh, suggested we had to have a simpler currency because we're going to join in, Europe. Of course. Um, and I remember, I remember the, see, I'm so old. Actually. I remember the <laughs> jingle on the telly that was explaining decimalization. It used to go, decimalization, decimal five, decimalization, decimal five. Good, what huh? is that? What? That was, that was the jingle <laughs> for that nightly TV program that was explained that the old shilling will be replaced by the 5p piece. Uh, two shillings will be 10 new pence. And there was a program every night before the news. Uh, about just to get you up just to, to speed. Just to keep you up so you can understand that 100 pennies in the pound, not 244 like we had before. And it's so bizarre, isn't it? Because yeah. when you've been, you know, you were born in 1976, like yeah. me, obviously working in a base 10 system is pretty standard. It is. And, 10 fingers, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty, pretty easy, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how they had to... Yeah, no, people thought it was a terrible sort of uh, outrage that we're having to have a decimal, getting rid of the British shilling and the farthing and all those things. You know, they're, they're yeah. the sort of people now, you know, campaigning for leave were the It's the Ben Banana people, isn't it? It is the Ben Banana people. Yeah. So anyway, we had this whole thing of joining Europe uh, and there was some very minority position of there ought to be a referendum on it. Tony right. Benn suggested it to the National Executive Committee of the Labour Party in 1971. Couldn't even get a seconder. Right, so there was no appetite for it. There was it. no appetite for it. It was a very fringe position. There was an organisation called Keep Britain Out, uh, you know, golf club types, blazers, that lot. And um, yeah, yeah, they it. did start organising unofficial referendums. Uh, right, and they, they just sort of straw polls, basically. Well, they sort of would, would, would set up their own polling stations and encourage people to come and vote. But they worked really hard and they had some money. Yeah. And... Um, it started to become a growing uh, notion, this idea of a referendum. And they had um, quite a high turnout for these different constituencies they organised. Right. And they, of course, won these referendums because it's only their people organising. I was going to say, isn't, yeah. isn't that, if it's, it's the people who are organising it who are yeah. going to push for the people to yeah. so they, come out. But so they got 50% very... turnout in one constituency in Gloucester. Really? Yeah. So they got a lot of people coming out. There's one place where uh, in Beckenham where they, um, the pro-market local MP organised activists and, uh, and a campaign. And that was, then it was defeated. So it was in, in, that, in Beckenham. Right. This is a bit like holding a referendum in a golf club about whether golf yeah. is good yes, or not, it isn't it? Yeah, it's not it really. a bit like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then there was more bad PR when the French had a referendum on whether they should enlarge the EC and allow in Britain, you know. Right. And uh, the French, so the French got a say and the British didn't. So it was like, hang on a minute. That's so typically British, isn't it? Yeah. No, we're not interested. Wait, what, the French are doing what? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> um, so uh, Britain's application was accepted. And by this time, this was oh, this was in under Ted Heath, the Tory Prime Minister from seventy yeah. to seventy four, and he was pretty um, pro Europe, right? He was passionately pro Europe. Yeah. You have to understand this is a generation that had fought in the war. Well, that's it. They, the, the Second World War is in everyone's in adults' living memories. Yeah, and oh, they were they were they'd been on the beaches of Anzio. And, yeah. You know, um, Heath had been shot at in a tank. And, you know, in the more recent times when he was alive and there were these Brexiteer types, mm. he said to them, have you ever been shot at in a tank? And this young sort of uh, anti-EU person was going, no. And he goes, well, I have. And I want to, make all sure my life, want to make sure it never happens again. Yeah. They were motivated by peace. Yeah. Well, we have, whereas now we have obviously... Leave voters also use World War Two rhetoric, but in a very different way. And completely <laughs> because they weren't being shot at in a time. Absolutely, it was, <laughs> they were so you get, not born or were 
children. You know, my, Francois going. My dad didn't fight on the beaches at Dunkirk. Do you think your it's, dad would want to yeah, do it again? Yeah, yeah, and also your dad didn't fight on the beaches at Dunkirk, Francois. So shut up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they use the, uh, the current sort of um, levers, Brexiteers lot, use World War II completely erroneously. Yeah. Um, Churchill had suggested a union between Britain and France. And he, he was in favour of a united Europe. Yeah. Um, and so whenever they start talking about it, they get their history wrong. Yeah. Uh, and the, the generation that actually did fight in the war were passionate about seeing it never happen again. Having had World War One, then World War Two. If we trade together, we cooperate together on institutions, we'll have less reason to go to war with one another. Yeah, because trade, money be more powerful. Yeah, money <laughs> always counts. Money else. talks. Yeah. So anyway, we yeah, so the uh, uh, terrible um, abuse of human rights occurred when Ted Heath attempted to speak French. The poor <laughs> French had to listen to Ted Heath going, Nous sommes très contents de, uh, de, de entrer la Europeanne Union. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, At least he had a go he and didn't just speak English louder and slower. Like yeah, that's, a, that's a step up yeah, from most England, people. England, his... join England, join O, Marketo. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, 1st of uh, January 1973, uh, England joined at the same time as Ireland and Denmark. And, and this is a, a time when you're starting to get quite fashionable. That's uh, we, right. We've got, you're starting to get package holidays, I guess, are yes, happening. Yes, people are starting to fly to Spain. Uh, yeah. So. Continental quilts. I remember my mum buying me a continental, continental quilt. quilt. Yeah. Sheets and blankets. Oh, no, we're going continental. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking what I swear continental breakfasts were. Oh, yeah, because no yeah. bacon. Yeah, no what? bacon and egg. No, it's yeah. just a roll and a black coffee. It's like, oh. Yeah, that's cheese for breakfast. <laughs> I know. So that What's was the whole thing. Food? There was, um, uh, and, and me at school, um, we started to have, we had a lesson called European Studies. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's this one lesson a week where we learn about this train in France called the Mistral or we'd, you know, learn about um, just different systems of government in Europe, which is quite forward-looking, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I remember there's a special 50p piece minted with nine hands joining on the back to yeah. celebrate the nine members of the EU. One of them was small and Luxembourg complained about the little hand. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Poor Luxembourg with its little hands. <laughs> Luxembourg it's got like, something in like common with Donald Trump. Yes, there. exactly, yeah. little hands. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, yes, it was very, uh, very fashionable, uh, suddenly, Europe. And there was town twinning. I remember going to our oh, school yeah. trip to Bad Godesburg. Our town was twinned with Bad Godesburg. Uh, we were twinned with... Um, See, that's a nice... Chernobyl, you were twinned where you were Reiner in Nordrhein-Westfalen. I went on two exchange trips to Reiner because we were... Maidstone was twinned with... Okay, well, Maidenhead. We were twinned with somewhere in France as well, but I can't remember where. We were at Maidenhead. I am not... not made, people always get Maidstone mixed up with oh, Maidenhead. Oh, yes. You're Maidenhead. I'm Maidstone. Yes. Yeah. We were Bad Godesburg um, and and Saint-Claude in France and Frascati in Italy. I remember there really? three new roads built in Maidenhead. There, 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 Frascati's just the wine. Yeah. <laughs> But we were all as schoolboys had to go to the, we had, we had dinner with the mayor, the mayor's building, this 300 schoolboys or something, and they gave us sauerkraut. Can you imagine a bunch of English boys in the 70s being served sauerkraut? Excuse we're me, like, sir, I think your cabbage is off. it's dis disgusting. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, um, very fashionable, Europe. Um, but it did divide the Labour Party particularly. Yeah. Um, uh, Tony Benn was pushing for a referendum. Michael Foote and Barbara Castle, Peter Shaw... Uh, and inside the uh, inside the Labour Party, um, they started to persuade Wilson that it would uh, help Labour's chances at the next uh, general election if they promised a referendum. Right. Sounds familiar? I, it's ringing some bells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so but, well, as so I say, basically, we'll, a referendum was was um, sort of posed as a way to mend a divided party. Party. <laughs> yes. Hmm. <laughs> um, so. Uh, 
1974, there was political stalemate. Two general elections in 1974. Yeah. Labour sort of sort of lost the first one, but managed to be uh, run a minority government. Then won a tiny majority. Limped across the line. Limped across the line <laughs> in October 74. You had the... We had a day off school every time there was an election. Two elections in 74, the referendum, Princess Anne getting married. Was, most days you weren't at school <laughs> in that period. Um, but anyway, um, Ben won the day at uh, on the NEC in a conference and persuaded the party. Finally got a seconder. He got a seconder and he, and he persuaded the party that um, we, we were going to have, uh, we, we have a referendum that Wilson was going to go to the EU, negotiate a better deal. Again, ringing some bells, <laughs> I know. this. He went to Dublin in this, in this, on this thing, but there were seven key points and he claimed to have got five of the points he was asking for. So he didn't claim to have a total victory and he, he yeah. said he got five out of seven. And so uh, Labour said, we're going to have a referendum when we come to power, which they did in 74. Um, there was a massive argument about whether the, on the wording of the question... Yeah. Should it be Britain will be in the common market or stay in, in the common market? Well, there's an argument, isn't there, for people who want to maintain the status quo? So exactly. If you say stay in the common market. Yes. But what everything stays as it is. Yeah, I'll go for that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's <laughs> what like people voted. When I was um, when I was a uh, Labour candidate back in the 2001 general election, there was a lot of uh, argument about the wording of the referendum on whether Britain should join the euro, which was being touted about as an idea at the time. Right, yeah. And this one public meeting, this Conservative got up and said, I think the wording of the question should be, do you want to surrender your country to the Germans? <laughs> <laughs> Give or take a comma or a colon. <laughs> same, same question. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but here's a crucial difference between the 75 referendum and now, and that is Wilson was going to stay out of it. He thought, uh, I am going to, I don't want the uh, voters making this a referendum on me as prime minister. Right, because it's so, not a general election. It's not a general election. So I'll have, my ministers will be free to campaign on either side. And they did very vigorously, although, you know, not too personally in the yeah. way that it got in uh, 2016. But he stayed out of it. And I think that was probably one of the key differences. Yeah. Um, um, there were quite a lot of people who were not sure whether we were in Europe or not anyway. Right. But that's <laughs> like, how small an issue it was. Like, it's, like that, uh, <laughs> Just... it's like that peep show bit when uh, Jeremy goes, stop going on about the euro, Mark. We're in it now. Get used to it. <laughs> we're not in the euro, Jeremy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the campaign began uh, 1975. So I think we should have a break to get out of these flared trousers and take off these stripy tank tops. And, uh, and, and, and so people can go get a cup of tea. Good. These platforms are killing me. <laughs> Welcome back to the We Are History podcast. Hello. We're talking 1975, the Euro referendum. Yes, we are. And uh, so we've got to the point well, the where we decided a referendum is going to happen. Yep. Harold Wilson's gone and negotiated some new terms. Yep. With the uh, EEC. It's a different time. Different time. ABBA had just won the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, had they? What song? Waterloo, about, you know, a different form of European integration. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was a victory in, in England, in fact. At Brighton, they won that. Um, was it in Brighton? Yes, where you live. Well, that amazing performance that. at Waterloo where Napoleon did surrender. Yeah, now happened have, in Brighton. I've, I've met my destiny in quite a similar way. <laughs> um, interesting thing about that particular Eurovision, that the Portuguese entry 
uh, that year, when that were played, that was a signal for the revolution, the Red Carnation Revolution, to have to, to start in Portugal. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. When it was played on the Portuguese radio, all the uh, revolutionaries said, that's, like, that's the, that now sees the, sees the TV station, sees the, uh, uh, the instruments of government and the press. Eurovision, wow. who knew? We, maybe who we, should, knew? we should do an episode we on Eurovision. Do a, we should do a whole episode on Eurovision. 1968, Cliff Richard actually won Eurovision, but Franco, because it was in Spain, nobbled the judges and made it so that Spain won. Really? Yeah, there's a whole book on it. <laughs> I didn't know you were so Eurovision oh, clued up, yeah, this John. Is, this I've is the proper whole... history. Never mind the Congress of Vienna and yeah, who cares World that? War II. It's Eurovision. That's what we want to know about. You think, like... Nobbling the country to your mm. country win. It's a bit obvious. Yeah, it, it is. Because, you know, like, come, come on, Cliff has got to win. Right? <laughs> Cliff's in it. Cliff. He's winning it. He's winning it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so ABBA in the charts, um, 1975, and Britain now is uh, having its first ever, ever referendum. And remember that... Uh, oh, God, I thought I'd turn that off. Oh, oh. John. <laughs> Sorry about this, everyone. We're back on. So I should say that whilst we had that break... Angela had to phone Radio Lincolnshire for an interview about a gig. That is glamorous, Angela. I know. Will the glamour ever <laughs> begin? Yeah. What were they asking you about? What they always ask you about when you do these local radio phone-ins. Yeah. Um, I mean, God bless them. They're, you know, they're doing the best. They're promoting your gigs. They're promoting my gigs, and yeah. that's the main thing. Uh, I'm on tour, by the way, coming yeah. along. Um, I mean, I might not be by the time this gets put out. Who knows what will happen? We might have left the EU. We yeah. might not have left the EU. Could be, be yeah. an apocalyptic wasteland. Who knows? Um, uh, if you are listening, an apocalyptic wasteland, well done for managing to tune in. And Angela's um, doing a gig at the uh, Destination Power Station. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they, you just always, I said to you before they phoned, I said, they'll ask me what it's like being a woman in comedy. Um, and they didn't disappoint. <laughs> what's, what's it like being a woman in comedy, Angela? My uh, Beck Hill, comedian Beck Hill, has the perfect answer to that question. When she gets asked, what's it like being a woman in comedy? She says it's exactly the same as being a man, except you get asked that question, <laughs> which is pretty much what it is. Oh, God. I get to do those um, little radio local phone-ins when I've got a book out, which I haven't oh, yes, had for a while. Course, yeah. and you go into a little sort of cupboard in BH, Broadcasting oh, yeah. House in London, and you do loads back to back. You do Radio Jersey, you do Radio Northern Ireland or whatever. I remember one time I was in there and I'd just done four or five in a row and I went on uh, BBC Radio Three Counties. And they said, now, which so, Three Counties is so it? So they said, John, are you doing any events in the area? <laughs> uh, I went, oh. In a couple of the counties, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> love those counties. Uh, I think all over the counties, really. <laughs> so Have you found out since what the three counties are? I think we should not tell our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> no, yeah. it's but it's Buckinghamshire, Bedfordshire, and Hertfordshire. Ah. So it's the bit that got left out when they allocated all the other radio stations, yeah, yeah. And, and you know. But yeah, so that's the glamour of local radio, folks. And now podcasts have probably replaced that. So yeah. hopefully you're so, listening to this in the three counties and you're not offended. Sorry. <laughs> sorry if you're a three sorry, counties BBC listener. Lincolnshire. Thank you for having me on. We're back mean- to the referendum. Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, Tony Benn, he was the sort of pr- a most prominent figure for in, a sort of a bit of a bogeyman by this point for the Conservatives and for the mainstream media. And well, he, he was a sort of Jeremy Corbyn. He was of his day, <laughs> of although he'd been a minister and, and had been in government and stuff. He'd been postmaster general and had defied the House of Lords and all sorts. But he, yeah. he by this point, was sort of seen as a bit of a swivel-eyed loon. And um, uh, he dominated the campaign, the out campaign, to the delight of in. So remember, they, they, it was called out and in back then, not remain and leave. Right, yeah. Um, uh, and so when they started, you know, out was way out in front with the polls. Right. Um, but um, what they didn't have was uh, money. 
didn't have yes. money and they didn't have uh, newspapers and they're behind them and they didn't it's, have it's celebrities. It's interesting because big business was quite vocally on the side of staying in. Absolutely. Obviously. Um, whereas in the 26, 26, 2016 referendum, obviously big business were a little bit more cautious because of social media and because of right. getting their reputations. Right. Interesting. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. Coming out on either side could affect their popularity. Yeah. So, but in the 1975 um, yeah. referendum, I think they donated, quite happily donated a lot of money to that those campaigns. Right, right. Well, I mean, uh, the Conservative Party was the most uh, pro-European party back then. Yeah. It's amazing to think of the contrast. Yeah. And, and so all the papers, all the newspapers were in favour of being in. So... Yeah. Uh, the Sunday Express, the Daily, Daily Mail, Mail, the Daily Sun, Telegraph, the Telegraph, the Sun, they're all for being in Europe. I guess because if you look at the backdrop they're against in the 70s, with yeah. the height of the Cold War, yeah. and the right wing in Britain are terrified of any Soviet influence or any socialism creeping in. And yeah, I suppose and they saw Europe as a yeah. defence against that rather yeah. than, So the know. Morning Star was in favour of coming out. Yeah. And the Spectator, weirdly. Those are the only two yeah. publications that were in favour of coming out. All the others were in favour of coming in. So you had a huge bias in the media for staying in. Yeah. Uh, plus you had they had money. So they managed to raise uh, 9 million Britain in Europe. Whereas the, uh, the guys from the other side managed to raise 9,000 pounds. <laughs> And so where the government said both sides can have a free mail shot to every address in Britain. Right. And the out campaign said, oh, we can't afford that many envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 can't, we can't send a, we, you know, There was like three full-time staff, whereas there's you know, teams and teams of people working for the Keep Britain In campaign. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's a very, very one-sided uh, uh, referendum. Yeah. And also the the I keep wanting to call it the Remain campaign, but yeah, the In campaign, yeah, yeah. as it was then, um, it, it did it made an effort to speak to different people, right? In a way that the Absolutely. current uh, the twenty sixteen referendum didn't. When you've got um, and I guess if you go back to the background, we're around. So we've had the three day week. You've had yes. you know, threat of petrol Power rationing cuts, yeah. and um, you know oil crisis and all of yeah. that. You're with that background. We still had an industry. Yeah, yeah. In, you know, it's before Maggie came in and wiped that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So people understood that, uh, you know, if the economy suffers, yeah. they could lose their jobs. They see it. They can yeah. see it. You know, and they saw the. We saw the lights happened. go out with a minor strike. So and that fear was there. Yeah. Whereas in 2016, of course, if you're, you know, living in what was a mining community in the northeast, um, where there's been no industry for the last 30 years. David Cameron telling you the economy is going to be affected. So yeah. what? All that yeah. means to those, to people in 2016 is the banks, right? And also you think, well, I want to stick two fingers up to David Cameron anyway, because I blame you. Yeah, exactly. So Wilson staying out of it, I think was quite important. Yeah. Um, but there was, even though they had all the advantages, the in campaign, they weren't complacent because in 1972, Norway had had a referendum and mm. everyone had expected them to come into the EU and they voted against it. Uh, one young sort of lawyer led the campaign and uh, astounded everyone when Norway voted not to join the European Union or EEC as it was then, the mm. economic community. And um, so they thought, well, that could happen with us. There's, yeah, there's quite so possible it could swing uh, 
So it, I guess that took away that sense of complacency that obviously yeah. Cameron had. Cameron, Cameron had the complacency because <laughs> he was like, oh, I won the AV referendum. I won the Scottish referendum. And he told the European leaders, uh, Merkel and um, Jospin, I think it was, I think he said, uh, don't worry, I'm a winner. Ugh. And it's like, oh, God. Anyway, so there was nothing, as you say, was left a chance. Yeah. And it was really, really thorough. So unlike Cameron, who went, well, just hold the referendum and, you know, uh, I'll win it. They really, really had it all nailed down beforehand and knew what they were doing in campaign. They had sports stars for Europe. They had uh, with uh, Henry Cooper going, um, don't knock Britain out, the uh, great heavyweight <laughs> boxing champion. Well, that's, I mean, that's a real bit of genius using sports stars, isn't it? Yeah, because, because. because sports people are patriotic. They they yes, play they for their country. The company, absolutely. Um, so if you are a Union Jack wearing yeah. patriot, you can't argue with that yeah, really, so can England you? cricket captain Colin Cowdery, don't hit Britain out. Olympic gold medalist Mary Peters, don't run Britain out. These are all on posters and leaflets. Um, and, he, and, you know, so they, they had every every area you can imagine covered with yeah. uh, things like Marge Proops, the Daily Mirror's um, uh, gossip, not gossip, um, problem columnist. Uh, yeah, Agnion. Uh, Agnion, yeah. that's the word. Uh, she was uh, very prominent in the uh, in campaign, uh, and they had a um, a women's campaign as well. Yeah. Uh, that started off quite badly because they had uh, they thought, well, let's have a beauty contest. Let's have uh, <laughs> um, uh, large-breasted women in t-shirts saying "Europe or bust." Yeah, that, uh, exclamation that, that's going to really get women interested. I know. And then one of the things is that there's a bit of a problem that the Europa Buster, the exclamation mark, looks like a question mark when she wears it. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just a level. It's the 70s, Angela. Oh, it's different, different times. Different times. Different times. Different times. Different times. Um, yes, Miss Europa, the, Miss Europa, Europe the Luscious beauty contest was cancelled. Oh, good. Actually. But there was a canal boat uh, going through Birmingham with all the women in national costumes, of all nine national costumes, which I think is a very good way of showing uh, Europe. <laughs> I love a canal boat, me. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially whenever you go on your canal boat, you have women in I've national costume. I've always got women in national costume <laughs> on my narrow boat. There was, there was writers for Europe. I'd like to see in that one. Oh, give me a bit longer. I haven't quite worked out the slogan yet. There was actors for Europe, sports stars for Europe, I said. The, the, the uh, Britain in Europe campaign vetoed Wombles for Europe. Was that actually? It was, was suggested by Giles Brandreth. Who was a young? Well, everyone loved the Wombles. Know, if the Wombles were... came out, there'd be no contest. Best-selling artists of 1974. Remember, you're a Womble. They're the best-selling band of yeah. 1974. The Wombles, not Abba. No. Waterloo, <laughs> Waterloo, or, or Wings. It was the Wombles. So yeah, I mean, great Uncle Bulgaria. He's got to be for in, hasn't he? Of course, yeah. Madame Cholet. <laughs> Madame Cholet. They're going to be yeah. in, aren't they? Um, so yeah, uh, and they had. Of course, uh, now if they came out, it'd be like bloody Wombles coming yeah, over here taking our jobs, be, wouldn't it? Be all racist. <laughs> well, we've got no British Wombles. Um, so yes, we had. As I said, we had the bus. The, 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 the oh, bus, page three. The, page three girl, girl Beverly Pilkington. Wow. Yes, and uh, she was the out K, for Europe. She was the KP nuts girl. Do you remember the KP nuts? Thing? Oh, is that the way you you bought the nuts to reveal the tits? Yeah. Amazing. I wasn't going to put it like that, Angela, but <laughs> you've done piece. it. You've done it. But then the out campaign had a Lady Godiva figure in a body stocking riding through Coventry saying... Well, that's much more sophisticated. Yes. Saying something about, oh, don't lose our taxes or something. Basically, it was a woman with a kit off. Both sides had women with their kits off, let's be clear. Um, but they got a bit better at it, the in campaign. They mm. used uh, Shirley Williams. They used Barbara Cars. Uh, sorry, Shirley Williams and... Um, or some posh Tory lords, women, I can't remember their names, but they were on no. every, there was always a woman on the panel. And, um, and of course you had Thatcher. Mrs. Thatcher was the leader of the opposition at this leader point. Leader of the opposition. She's the, just in the, the job. Sort of representing the housewives of Britain. Mm. Um, you know, and she, at that time, this is before she's 
you know. Yeah, but become prime minister. Become prime minister and, and decimated industry and done all the things that she did. She was pro-Europe, madly pro-Europe. Pro she wore the cover of the book. The book that I read most, actually, is Yes to Europe. It was the a 19, great book. That's the one I read as well. Yeah, the 1975 referendum in 70s Britain. By Robert Ro Saunders. Yes, Queen Mary yes. University of London. And on the cover... Is a picture of Maggie in her famous jumper. Have you got it there? Like, I have indeed. Her knitted. I want one. Her, oh, you want great. Her, her knitted. I wonder where that is now. That jumper. It's a jumper with all the flags somewhere. of Europe, all nine at that point. Oh, Mrs. Thatcher's well, she's front. on this picture, John. She's holding a flaming torch, oh which God. has a bit she's of about a Brexit to set fire sort of to the north. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Thatcher. I mean, um, very pro-Europe. Um, all the Tories were very pro-Europe. I think um, a lot of them were not sort of. Because I heard it described that Thatcher wasn't necessarily an enthusiast, but she was a realist. Right. You know, and so knew that, whereas I think Ted Heath was a real, or even, um, you know, Ted Heath on that side and Roy Jenkins yes. were proper... Uh, passionately Europe, about Passionately it, yes. Europeans. I think your Harold Wilson's and your... Yes, they were, um, they were pragmatic about it. Much more pragmatic and much more... Because I think, didn't yeah. Harold Wilson was a... Described himself as a Commonwealth man. Right. Really, but he understood that... Yes. I think he said, I'm, you know... I'm, I'm pro-Europe with my head, but not with my heart. Okay. You know. Okay. Whereas, um, yeah, and I think Thatcher was probably the same. Yeah, but there's quite a lot of people in the middle who, as you say, were passionate about the project of European peace. You know, yeah. like the uh, uh, the Roy Jenkins and the and the uh, Dennis Healy's and the Shirley Williams. Yeah. People who lived through two, you know, seen two world wars and thought we must never let that happen again. Absolutely. But yes, the Conservatives were the most. Uh, in pro-Europe party, the Federation of Conservative Students organised a poster, always an organisation to be relied upon for their good taste. They had Holocaust victims and they said, victims of a divided Europe. So, of course, the Board of Jewish Deputies questioned the taste of this and it was taken down. Mm. Um, the uh, out campaign uh, got Barbara Carlswell to go over to uh, Brussels uh, with her shopping basket and I, show sorry, the... Sorry, I have to stop you. I really thought you said Barbara Cartland. Uh, maybe I did say Barbara Cartland. <laughs> that would have been so interesting. <laughs> that, that, the campaign with it. Barbara Castle and maybe Barbara Cartland went as well. <laughs> I don't know, with her Pekingese and her pink hair. Barbara Castle, sorry, who actually quite striking You might striking not have said hair. it, but it's just what I heard. <laughs> um, Barbara Castle uh, went over to Brussels uh, and got a uh, shopping basket with all uh, the goods and what they cost in Brussels and to compare them with the same goods in Britain. Mm. She didn't do the press stunt till the next day and the in-campaign had a mole inside the out-campaign, knew this was happening, so right. got their uh, uh, one of their front-runners, Vicky Cranshaw, to go to Oslo, which was uh, just supposed to be out, and showed it was three times more expensive if you were out, and completely up and beat them to the uh, uh, pitch on the uh, press stunt, and Amazing. suddenly out thought, oh, no, not only we haven't got the funding, not only have we got three members of staff, but I think one of them is a spy anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> and then the one stunt we managed yeah, to yeah. afford to do has yeah. been completely undercut. So the only, the only sort of significant um, people for out were like the left-leaning National Union of Students, yeah. a young Charles Clark, future Home Secretary, who was a student. What? He led the National Union of Students, and they were out for out. But And then the... And this is really comes down to I, what I remember when being 13 was the most important deciding factor, and that was the casting. Yeah. So you had Tony Benn, seen as a bogey figure. Yeah. Uh, Enoch Powell, very much a bogey figure, yeah, on the far yeah. right of the Conservative Party. Uh, then you had Ian, Ian Paisley. Paisley. Um, 
Hello, I'm Ros Taylor with news of Oh God, What Now? The politics podcast that's never going to leave its voter ID at home. On Friday's show, it's six months until the US election and Donald Trump is stuck sitting on trial in a New York courthouse. Is he bulletproof or can Joe Biden turn around the polls? In the second half, it's local elections week, but we've steadily taken power away from local authorities. What if we gave it back? And in the extra bit for supporters, is there a right level of ruthlessness in politics? That's Oh God, What Now? with me, Ros Taylor, Raphael Baer, Hannah Fern, guest Nikki McCann Ramirez, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so, and then in terms of organisations, National Front were for out, the Communist Party were for out, uh, the Soviet Union wanted us to come out. So I remember a cartoon in one of the newspapers that just showed this march with these characters on, and it just said something like March of the Extremists. And it, I think that's... um, I think that was a big difference between uh, 1975 and 2016. Yeah. The moment that Gove went for Remain, a leave and then Boris followed him, it suddenly gave permission to the Conservative members to vote leave. Yeah, yeah. until then it had been bogeymen, right? Yeah, were, yeah it, it was. Farage. It was like Farage and people you wouldn't want to be associated with yeah. if you were a respectable English person, you know. Yeah. Um, I was speaking to Will Straw the other day at some... Uh, pub or something and uh who ran the uh remain campaign right yeah um and uh he said that boris coming out for leave made four percent difference in the 2016 referendum yeah. which is enough to swing it so if boris had followed his other editorial that he drafted about staying it's just in so mad isn't, isn't it? it and the whole con- history of our country is different because of that influence that man had on conservative voters <sighs> he thought that the tories most had thought they'd all thought beforehand that tories would split 50 50 remain and leave, they ended up being 60-40, and that was enough to do it. Uh, So, but the casting in in 1975 was crucial. All the people that, people who weren't that interested in politics and were just ordinary people going around their business, they sort of respected Shirley Williams and, um, you know, um, even Ted Heath or Dennis Healy or the Liberal Party. Um, And they thought these moderate sensible people seem to be for staying in yeah. uh, and so that's I think you, that had you a big had, it was such a it's such a flip isn't it of what happened in 2016 where you had yeah. um I mean Tony Benn he did refuse to share a platform with Enoch Powell but he didn't refuse to share a platform with Ian Paisley right? oh really that's weird um, isn't it yeah there's the, I'm sure I've seen these with them right. together and you just I see I mean Enoch Powell probably is worse than Ian Paisley they're both well yeah dreadful. yeah but I mean yeah it, both dreadful yeah but so, um, you know, they said that um, No had all the best tunes, but uh, In had all the best singers. And, right, uh, yeah. and uh, I think that made a massive difference. There was a slight worry. So we got close to polling day. Yeah. There was a slight worry when Leeds United were cheated out of the European Cup in the oh. final in 1975. So I remember watching that game and they'd had a goal disallowed and they were fouled and the referee seemed to be so against them. Right. Bayern Munich got two late goals and everyone was outraged. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, in this country, that could be enough, yeah, right? they thought, is this going to swing anything? Um, but anyway, it came to, uh, came to polling day and there was a, I remember a strong sense that Remain was going was gonna to win this mm. and then in as it was called then, yes as it was called then. Uh, there was some pressure to have the result counted centrally in London, have it all in Earl's Court or somewhere, yeah. to hide the regional differences. Right, yeah. Um, but uh, then people said, well, Winnie Ewing of the Scottish National Party said, you know, she would lie, she would tie herself to the ballot boxes or whatever to see. <laughs> uh, she would lie in front of them. Um, they were worried that it would embarrass MPs who are at odds with their local constituencies yeah. if they were voting a different way. Uh, in the end, it was done by county, I think. Right, um, yeah. And 
I don't know. Have you looked at the results? The I have. Books? A really interesting flip to what Aren't happened. They? Absolutely. Because Lincolnshire came out... It's like 66%. 66% in. In. Whereas, obviously, they were the highest, I think. Yeah. 75%. Leave, yeah. I think, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, and what's so fascinating? No difference between a town and country. Mm-hmm. No difference between you know uh, labour areas, rural uh, Tory areas. No difference between uh, industrial heartlands or far- yeah. it's all two thirds, third, right yeah. across the country. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is the the way so that England yes. came out very pro in. Yes. Whereas Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, yes, slightly less so. Slightly less so. Well, and Scotland, that, again, that, is a flip of what happened absolutely. in... Absolutely. Well, apart from Wales, maybe, but yeah. a flip of what happened in... Uh, and then Western Isles, I think, was the only area to have a majority for out. Maybe Western Isles and someone like Sky or somewhere, but yeah. the, the fringes of Scotland were for out. I think Orkney might have been for out as well. Right. Uh, or Shetland. But um, it, it's amazing that, uh, you know, that it yeah. was so overwhelming. And yeah. It, and it... Six, six, yeah, Two thirds... Uh, in favour of being in the common market. Britain stayed in the common market. Um, Harold Wilson could move on. You yeah. thought, well, he's in for a long time. But, you know, things yeah, well. changed. <laughs> things Tony changed. Ben was demoted. Uh, Britain's membership of the Europe common market and European Union was settled and never became a political issue ever again. Um, actually, uh, Harold Wilson shocked the whole nation the following year by resigning and stepping down at a time of his own choosing. No one yeah. saw that coming. No. Um, but the issue didn't go away, of course. No. In 1983, uh, Labour was for out. Labour put it in its manifesto that it would leave the common market. Well, it was a really interesting thing happened, didn't it? I think as soon as the referendum was over in 75, the uh, Britain for In campaign or whatever it was called, yes. Britain for Europe, yeah. just disbanded. They're like, yeah. right, job done, over. Yeah. Whereas the out campaigners rallied and sort of continued. Yes, their work and kept that um, kept the flame going. argument going, kept the yeah. flame going until 2016, yeah. arguably. Uh, yeah, until I mean, you today. had Thatcher becoming more and more sceptical, then you had Maastricht, you had Major dealing with that, Maastricht. I don't even remember the year Tony Blair got in 1997 when he got in. There was a referendum party. I do remember Funded that, yeah. by uh, James Goldsmith. Yeah. Um, VHS put through everyone's letterbox with a bloke from That's Life, you know, arguing for a referendum, which was like, Really? We're going to have a referendum on Europe? Didn't we have one of those? Yeah. And um, that little seed was planted in the Hey, modern... guys, you lost. Get over it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Right? <laughs> so um, so, it was, so the seed was planted in 97, and uh, finally Cameron acceded to this in 20, uh, 2013, the idea of it, and three years later, a coalition of chaos followed. <laughs> uh, it's so interesting isn't it, that, that a referendum seems to is a parliamentary tool to fix problems that parties... In, within parties, yes, like, because Europe is such a there's no party divide in it. All no, you know, unless you're UKIP, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> they're, they're pretty uh, solid on what yeah, they I want. Yeah, they're pretty good on, <laughs> on the EU Brexit, and party, Brexit now. party. But um, you know, within Labour and and Conservative, yeah, party, you can't. They had no choice. Had well, no choice. No, they did have a choice. They I mean, have, yeah. I think both I mean, of them had a choice. And I think it was probably irresponsible of Labour to do it in '75, and it was yeah. definitely irresponsible of Cameron to do it in. 2016. The one difference I will make is that uh, Wilson played it right in some 75, yep. and they the, the, they did the groundwork. Yep. Cameron did it completely wrong. Yeah, uh, put too much stock in the negotiation he was going to get and the changes, and misjudged. He presumed he had the papers in his pocket. He presumed he had Gove and Johnson in his pocket. Yeah, 
And uh, and just it, it's, it just seems to me as simple as just not talking to... Nigel Farage was out there convincing, particularly the working classes, that, you know, A, immigration's the issue and these yeah. people are taking your jobs, and B, I'm your mate, you can trust me. Yeah, Whereas, neither of which are true. None of which are true. <laughs> which, um, yeah, I want yeah. to say Nigel Farage wouldn't be seen dead in a pub with a working class person. <laughs> And and Cameron's uh, the, or the Remain campaign just didn't talk to those people. So well, they did. Whereas they in stymied, 1975, I, yeah. you know, you had supermarkets giving away yes to Europe. Yeah, yeah. Carrier bags. You yeah, know, you had yeah. people being spoken to by TV personalities yes. and and things that just reaching out to those yeah, people. Yeah, Giles Brandreth. Yeah, yeah Giles you know, Brandreth. whereas they just didn't. It was just assumed. Yeah. Yeah, it's that arrogant assumption, it arrogant isn't it, of, of the sort of um, of that class, particularly. Yes, um, and that kind of politician that is the career politician of Cameron. That that the you know the, the people will just assume that we know best. Yes, and I think that's and after expenses and after um, the you know hacking scandal, it's like yeah. those people inside the M25 can fuck off. Is basically yeah. what it was. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, but anyway, we're talking about the 2016 referendum now. We're getting yeah. on our high horses. Yeah. <laughs> it's still yeah. very much in flux as we make this podcast. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, this could this podcast could be outdated before it's even released. Yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, 1975 is the a watershed in British politics. Yeah. A different time when. Um, uh, Labour and the Conservatives dominated the House of Commons uh, before there was Scottish nationalism as a big thing, before mm-hmm. uh, the Liberal Party, you know, uh, really built up its vote. And, um, you know, everyone who played a part in that referendum, you know, following year, Wilson resigned. Following year, Jeremy Thorpe was in trouble oh, for yes. trying to kill people. In the, and um, and Mrs. Thatcher would soon become Prime Minister for 11 years. So, And then everything those, every, ended happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> I think we sort of covered the 1975 referendum. Is there anything else that you're no, itching think, to tell I us think about that's, it? Um, but I think, you know, it was a referendum. The people spoke and we should abide by well, their decision. It's one each. Um, yeah. It's one each. So we, I'm, I'm for having a decider. Yeah. Or, you know. Um, so if you thank you for listening to uh, We Are History if you enjoyed it give us five stars on on you know, iTunes am, or on, wherever you on, listen on, to it you know, Amazon podcast, Book Chart or whatever you pod do Podcharts um, listen to us how old the, are we the, the pop we charts, we're talking about the hit parade <laughs> on the on the podcast hit parade yes yes rate <laughs> us share us subscribe whatever you do um, uh, follow us on Twitter at We Are History Pod and just generally keep listening yeah and, and before we go um, can we just say uh, thank you to our wonderful producer Spike Elwood. Spike Elwood is here with her headphones on. He's, yeah. He gets us the Having gear. To listen to us drone on about forever. the olden days. Yeah, and then he has to cut out all the bits we fluffed, which is a lot. It you, is. You think you're listening to this going, God, they fluff a lot. This was three That's days. Not half of it, mate. This is three days of us talking cut down. <laughs> Thank you, Spike. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, John. See you next time on We Are History. See ya.